All right, welcome to another episode of the Donks Hockey Podcast. What's up, boys? How you guys doing tonight? You ready? Doing all right. You ready, Cowboy? You guys ready? All right, let's pop them. Ready? Oh, oh! I don't think you heard the cork pop on mine. (laughs) Did you? All right. What do you? What do you? What are we drinking here tonight? What do you got going on? A little Angels Envy and uh, the Goatee Miller Lights. Damn, you and Angels. Did you go rye or Uh, no? I can't afford the rye. It's like a fucking six hundred dollar bottle, dude. What are you talking about? Anyways, all right, all right, boys. We got the the coach with us, Coach Craig from Twenty Three Hockey, um, and we're gonna talk about our, one of our favorite things, right? Like, and we all have different opinions about it. We're gonna talk about development. It's gonna be a hot topic, I'm sure. Um, but uh, you know, I think a lot of this comes from I think the the uh, the Donks and I've had conversations with other people. And people would be like, I'd ask them how their season goes, and they'd be like, all right, well, my kid developed. And I'd go, all right, well, tell me about their development. And it would be very specific to hockey skills, right? And it would be like a breakout or a passing of this. But I think the bigger – the conversation has gone where we all feel like that's, that's much bigger than just hockey skills, right? Like when it comes to, to development in hockey, right? So that's kind of like – and then, then – Coach Craig uh, from 23 Hockey put out a blog, and it was uncoordinated simultaneously. Like, I think when I think I approach you, uh, Coach, we we were talking about that, and you were like, I'm having a blog come out, right, like next week. And so, like, it just kind of all happened at once, and it was just kind of like this perfect circle, you know, uh, as the worlds collide right now. So, But before we go on, why don't you tell everybody, Coach Craig, a little bit about your background. Thanks for having me, guys. I um, want to make sure everyone can hear me good. Um, so development, uh, yeah, so I guess I'll get to my background first. It's I'll, I'll give you the quick version. Um, obviously, born and raised in Canada, kind of a hockey hotbed area. Grew up in Windsor, Ontario, which is uh, a border town with uh, the United States, right near Detroit, Michigan. So, um very, uh, very rich hockey tradition in that region. But I grew up in a small town, LaSalle, Ontario. We had one rink and, um, you know, it was kind of just small town hockey. It was uh, kind of our own little thing off the beaten path. Um, it was a, a rink that was owned by the municipality. So it wasn't a privately owned arena. So the rink was uh, only in use during the winter and then the ice came out in the summertime and everybody went and played baseball and that was life. And um, so for me, you know, I played uh, single A, double A hockey uh, for a team called the uh, Sandwich West Sabres. Pretty uh, unique little name there for you. And um, that was the uh, the name of my hometown team. And we... um, you know, we just, just had a blast. I mean, it's, I, we could get into this later, but it's just so different than, than what we're going through now. It was just me and my friends playing hockey. There wasn't a whole lot more to it other than us just having fun and loving the game. And um, really until I got to be, you know, 15, 16 years old, it's kind of the time I started to take it more serious. Hockey to me, wasn't that serious, you know, as a kid, I just played it cause it was fun. It was part of my culture was part of our just our existence as Canadians to be honest with you street hockey pond hockey ice hockey we just played it because it was fun and uh, so fast forward I mean we can get into this later but I carved out a career I ended up playing junior hockey at 17 years old 
had a three-year uh, junior career, played for um, Windsor Bulldogs, Leamington Flyers in the uh, Western Junior Hockey League at the time, uh, Western Junior B Hockey League, and then was fortunate enough to get a full-ride scholarship to Bowling Green State University, played four years at Division One College Hockey uh, from the years 1996 to 2000 in the CCHA, which was at the time the top conference in the country. And then um, when I finished up at Bowling Green, you know, went to an NHL camp, bounced around a little bit in the American League, and then settled um, kind of in the, in the minor pro level for five and a half seasons. And, um, you know, played hockey till I was almost 30. I played till I think I was 28 years old, um, which to me is a, is a life well lived in hockey as a, as a player. Probably maybe played a year or two longer than I should have, but uh, it, was, uh, it was a lot of fun. Well, I think the key there is you know all the words to Rocky Top now, right? <laughs> Being from Tennessee, you know, playing hockey in Tennessee. Yeah, I did. So just just for the uh, just for and just for just for any of the few listeners that we have, uh, Coach Craig is obviously uh, you know served as as a director, as as a coach, a uh, player, and and more importantly as a parent, right, and as a mentor, right. I mean, those are kind of where a lot of this comes from probably as well being a a parent of a hockey player so that's why he's here with us today so um um so let's uh let's not let's dive right into it I mean um so now you started this new training program and and you've developed this um I guess some philosophies I guess um and and I think a lot of us you know after reading your blog I'm like man that's that's a philosophy that that I can appreciate, right? I mean, when as we're growing our kids up, you know, and teaching them life through hockey, right? Wouldn't you guys? Wouldn't you donk say that? I mean, agree with that? I mean, yeah, yeah. So I mean, um, so I've got your I've got your blog here in front of me right now, Coach, and it says let's let's just get right into the blog. I mean, it's just fantastic. Um, so what does development mean? And let's talk about this, right? If you And I think one of the first lines that I, I've got here is you, if you generally care about the development of your child on ice, on ice, off ice, culturally, rather than what level they play or who their coach is, it has a million different meanings, right? So that's, that's kind of the premise of your, your blog here, right? Um, and I, I think with that first line right away, I think, the thing that stands out for me is it's just not on ice, right? I mean, that's kind of the one of the first things that you you kind of preach, right? Or or try to yeah. mentor people in is it's, it's culture is everything, yeah. right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, to back up even a second. So, um, good. Yeah. Go ahead. No, I was just gonna say, like, no, I was. One thing I want to add about um, about playing hockey growing up as a kid where I did was um, development wasn't even a word that was used. Like it wasn't, it didn't exist. Nobody talked about the development of their kids. And now it's the biggest and and most talked about thing in youth hockey is development, development, development. So, um, you know, the one thing that I just, I want to make everybody aware of is I don't have all the answers for it. Like I, I have my sense of what development is just from my experience in the game as a player and a coach, but 
everybody has their own thoughts on it. And I respect what everybody feels about what's best for their son or daughter in, in this sport. But development to me, isn't just about how fast you skate or how hard you shoot the puck or, you know, how many goals you score. It's about like really enjoying the process of going through this whole youth hockey journey and um, wanting to continue playing. If you're a great skater, but you're not having fun because you're not passionate about the sport, you're not really developing. If you scored 50 goals, but, you know, you're not learning to play the game the right way and maybe the culture isn't great, then, I mean, are you really developing? I don't know. So that's that's kind of my thoughts on, on that, uh, Panda, is just like making sure that the kids are having fun first and foremost. I mean, because if they're not having fun playing this sport, there's zero development involved, like zero. And that's just, I think, something that a lot of us overlook. Yeah, I, I think I think where I would add here, so I you know, I have a background experience in law enforcement, right? So I think for a lot of years I was a field training officer where I would take these brand new rookie kids coming out of the academy and my goal was to diversify their, their training, right? Like I wasn't I wasn't linear with it. I, I tried to diversify and make them more rounded, right? Like, I didn't want just kids that would just go out and write tickets, right? I didn't want kids that – and I call them kids because they were raw, right? Like, they didn't have the experience. And I think that's kind of where – that's my take about that first line is, like, hockey development is not linear, right? It's not got one singular, singular, like, method. It's it's a – it's, it's, there's so many other intangibles to it, right? And I think that's the key point there. I mean, what do you, any takes on that, Donks? Well, I, I, I think I like it from the approach of development is different for every kid, right? We, we know that there are different learning styles, and it's almost like we don't appreciate that in this form of, like, youth sports where, you know, one size fits most, where, like, you kind of have to figure out what works for your kid vice this is what everybody else is doing. Oh, for sure. I I 100% agree with that. Like development, development's tricky. You know, I'm training baseball kids for as long as I did. I would have parents that were actual draftees of the MLB paying me to train their kids because their kids just listened to me. They liked how I brought the same thing that they were saying at home. I'd say the same thing to their kids, but some for some reason – They would listen to me instead of their parents or another guy. It's just how they relate to the coaching, you know, like there's some guys that my kid goes out on the ice with. I can tell when he's done with them, he is so invested in what that guy said. He goes home and he like starts working on it right away. You know, so you just want to find that for development. I think. No, I think that's a great take there, Cowboy. Um, And I think, I think this is, this is a good point for, you know, that maybe coach, coach Craig can elaborate on though like at a certain point you get a team of you because you coach quite a bit you get a group or or a class or whatever and you have 15 different kids but you may have to train them and develop them 15 different ways right I mean you'd have to look at I mean I know it's a short time but you got to look at each kid individually and kind of which makes it a little bit tougher right and I and I would say it's the same for for coaching a team uh, I agree. And that's, that's, that's what I think the best coaches today in any sport is they learn how to coach all the kids differently 
uh, you just hit the nail on the head there. And that's such a great point because um, a, a lot of coaches now, they just coach and coach and coach, but they don't listen to the players. And, you know, I finally learned, you know, that one of the best things that you can do as a coach now is to talk to the players and ask them, Hey, what, what helps you? What makes you tick? What is it confidence? Um, you know, what, what can I do as a coach to help you be better? And we don't do enough of that. We just think that we know it all because we're adults and that kid's 10 or 11 years old. And we basically just have this mindset that, Hey, this is the way it's going to be. Well, guess what? It doesn't work that way. It just doesn't. Um, every kid's different. Every kid has a different home life. Um, every kid has different levels of pressure from their own parents. So I think it's important as coaches now to really listen to what the kids want, you know, as far as what will help them be their best player and what will help them be the best teammate and all those things. So that goes a long ways when you develop relationships with the players along with being their coach. I think that that goes so far. I, you know, and, and, I think that's a that's an excellent point, and I think that the the donks here would agree, right? We all supervised crews of some sort, right? You know, I know I know Sammy had to deal with something, and and I know you've had to deal with a, a roof job that's gone bad, cowboy. I mean, so I, I just I just think it's 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 lost, right? And then you go to a certain. So I think some some coaches will just default into like, well, wins and losses, right? And then what is your kid getting out of that, right? Or I taught your kid how to deke or this or that as opposed to seeing the big picture. Well, that's not what my kid needs. Like, you know, he's different. But I also get it too that you only have an hour or two hours of ice time per week, right? And you can only focus so much attention. So it becomes a very difficult balancing act. Any thoughts on that, guys? No, I, I mean, I think you nailed it with saying it's a balancing act. You know, when I used to coach nine-year-old kids in baseball, it was some of the things I'd say worked for this group, but the other group seemed disconnected during that, you know, kind of uh, coaching. So it's finding, you know, that happy medium that, you know, maybe isn't best for everybody, but it works for everybody. If that makes sense. I think the best coaches that we've seen for peanut are the ones that take the time off ice, right? Like we're pretty much a family during hockey season. We're traveling together. We're eating together. Um, and the ones that get to know him off the ice seem to have the most effect on the ice. Yeah. I mean, it's for me, it's, uh, I, I think it's, I think it's got to have to do, it, it has to do with the culture, right? Like it's, it's, I think we talked about it before, right? It's like different, like biomes, like intersecting or different, you know what I mean? Different aspects of the, of the life cycle intersecting, but they all have to act as one, right? Like you, you need a strong culture, you need a strong director, you need a strong coach, you need, you know, just, you know, just a, a strong support system. I think I feel like that's, that's the best way to describe it to kind of avoid some of those, you know, but it can also, I mean, you can also see a bad culture, right? Like, I mean, I'm sure there are programs out there where it's like might just be preaching maybe all the wrong things and it becomes very linear as opposed to diversified, which I'm really want for, for Little Panda. I think I can, I can kind of talk about that, though. 
like we came from a place where the culture right. wasn't great and we, we, we moved to a place where the culture was phenomenal and and I think that that's the hundred percent the right word to use is culture. Because it, it's from from six U to eighteen U. Like you know when you walk in the building if that's your that's your spot, right? Like if if you identify and you kind of align with what's going on in the building. And it's not anything that like I can tell you or, or Cowboy or, or Coach Craig, like it's it's you know when you're at home. You know, kinda like we talked about before. Yeah. I would like to change I would I would my motto would be to change the word development to experience. Right? Like how was your hockey how was your kids hockey experience not his development. Like the overall picture, right? I mean and I'm I'm talking about all the intangibles like not just not just the hockey, but the team play, the leadership, uh was your kid coachable? You know, did you respect other teammates? Did you overcome adversity at some point? Uh, you know, just managing schedules, time management. Like, those are the other intangibles. And, and I'm sure there's, like, ten other things you guys can name. Um, but I, to me, it, it's just not just strictly about the hockey. It's about all of it. Um, but I think that's kind of where we all agree. Um, yeah. As you, uh, as you move through the, the world of hockey and you get to, you know, a higher level, whether it be a tier one level or, you know, someday maybe you're pushing towards a prep school, junior hockey, et cetera. The things you just mentioned, like the leadership and coachability and intangibles and adversity and all those things, those are more important than the way that that player plays the game. Um, when coaches are looking into recruiting a player um, for a program at a significantly high level, all the intangibles are always the first thing that are discussed way before you find out how many goals that player scored or how they pass the puck or how they skate. So trying to teach those things to kids at a young age is so important because hockey is not a game um, that is well served as a selfish player. And you can get away with it when you're six and seven and eight and nine and 10, maybe, maybe even 11 and 12, honestly, but as you get going into higher level hockey and you really want to do something with the sport, um, you really have to learn how to play the game the right way and, and to be a good person and be somebody who's coachable. So I've learned that personally the hard way on a few instances of my career that have hurt me and other times it's helped me. And um, we all have our own stories and experiences in the game, but I've sat in before um, in in junior in a junior draft, listening to coaches and general managers and scouts talk about players and making phone calls about character and all those things and the the process that people go through uh, for you know a, a prep school recruit or a, 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 even a even a tier one recruit here locally. They talk to coaches from the previous season and they want to know a lot about that individual player and stuff. So all of those things, isn't just conversation piece. It's, it's real. Like it's real. And at some point it's going to catch up to all the kids, um, you know, sooner than later, as they move through the, the journey of sports, whether it be hockey or baseball or lacrosse, it's all the same. And so development to me is way more than just the on ice skill set. 
it's the intangibles in the character and the person and all those things. So I think that's why it's important. The kids are never too young to learn how to be good people and good teammates and, and all those things. It, it really does carry over into their, into their teens. And, and, you know, sometimes it, it'll make or break an opportunity, quite frankly. Yeah. I mean, I think that's a great point. Um, I, I think, I think nowadays you see, and I, I know we're kind of stuck on this first point here, but I think it's a great point because um, it, it's, you know, your first point was on ice, off ice culturally, right? Like the three points right there, I think probably could cover the whole block. But uh, I think that, that culturally now, the way that, that things are, kids are getting more disqualified for their behavior than anything. You know, I don't want to use the word canceled, but you see kids getting in trouble now for social media, for all those things. So, like, if you're going to concentrate on development and you're just concentrating on just the mechanical skills portion of it and you're not working on those other things and, and you really have aspirations as a parent for your kid to go further. And my take on it is is that you can't just look at the hockey. Well, I mean, it's, it's unfolding um, right in front of our eyes. Look at Shane Wright. Look at the kid from Mercyhurst. Like, like there's no better example than one in the present, right? Right. I mean, you know, so so many examples of that, and those are talks that that at least I have with 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 uh, with Little Panda about some of the obviously some of the the young jokes and some of the stupid comments he makes. Like, you know, it's one thing to joke around with your parents, but you know, just you got to be careful with a lot of things you say now. So. But um, do you guys have any other points on that or no? All right. Yeah, I, I'll just add to that real quick. I'll just add to that. I, I think that is such an important point and we don't stress it enough. I mean, there's rules in USA hockey that the majority of us don't follow regarding like phones and what's allowed and not allowed. But I tell my players all the time, the kids I coach that one stupid thing away from, you know, really ruining yourself, um, whether it be now or down the road. And we see players all the time are losing opportunities in college and different things. And it's so unfortunate because a lot of times the kids don't really know what's right or what's wrong. And, but it's a scary time and we got to really stay on top of it as parents and as coaches now, because we, we can do our best. At least we can't stop everything, but we can do our best to eliminate as many potential issues as possible, not allowing kids to bring their phones into the, into the locker room, which is technically a USA hockey rule. People don't know that, but it is. Um, and there's so many other things. So it, it's a scary time to be a 12 or 13 year old kid. It, it really is. And um, so beyond the coaching, uh, the, the sports side of it, there's so much more that we have to worry about now as coaches and parents. And it's, it's, uh, it's stressful. It is. It's, it's stressful. But it's something we have to stay on top of. That's a great point. I mean, it's just so much more than just just the mechanics and the hockey, the sport itself. It's just just society and, and you know and, and parenting a certain way now, just to make opportunities for your kids is beyond hockey, right? Like, I mean, it's just yeah. But uh, let's talk about some of the tan- intangibles that that you brought up in your blog there, Coach Craig. Um, and you kind of put it down in was it was a five rules I think it was or five different aspects of, of development. I think the first one 
which I love, is is fun, right? I think Uncle Sammy said in one of the, the pods, he was like, you know, spring and summer, just fun, right? Like, just let your kids have fun. And, 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 and Coach Craig goes on here to say that, you know, this one's really simple. Kids are not, in, you know, if kids are not enjoying playing hockey for any variety of reasons, the development will never even be possible. If your kids aren't having fun, they're not going to develop. So have a real conversation with your son or daughter and make sure they still love the sport, right? You know, make sure that they're playing for their own enjoyment. Mm-hmm. And this is the part where I've kind of, I kind of uh, emphasize here, ask them why they want to play, what do they want out of the experience, and I love that word. That's my favorite word when it comes to hockey and what are their personal goals. Um, you know, their gratification from youth hockey is way more important than yours. That's a great point, right? They're playing for them, not you, <laughs> really. The goals you have, they may not line up with theirs, but collectively it's important we set aside our egos and take the best interests of the kids to heart. I think that is such a deep, deep, uh, just right off the bat, right? It's it's kind of like when we hit people with our three rules of uh, that we go by for hockey. Like, right off the bat, first thing, fun. Fun. Did anybody have any takes on that? Did you guys any thoughts? I mean, you, you guys know mine. Like, like, if we're miserable going to the rink, like, why am I making that drive? Like, like I need you to, I need you to figure it out. Right, like if it's not what you want to do, then we'll find something else. But, dude, go out there with a smile on your face. Yeah, I mean it's. I mean, and we we see it, right? Like parents that just kind of wear their kids out, you know. And I think post, I think I think COVID had some effects on that. And I was talking to a uh, development coach yesterday, and he was telling me that that when he had set up clinics, like these guys were hammering it for four, five, six, seven days, and he would call them and be like, hey, are you, uh, you know, are you sure this is what you want to do? Like, you, you know, I get it because, you know, things have been locked down since COVID, but he was really concerned about the kids, and I, I, was, I thought it was pretty admirable. But, but I mean, I, and my hot take on that is is that if I take a little panda to, to five clinics in, in four weeks straight, like, is that going to make him any different? He might pick up a skill or two, right? But I don't think it's going to turn him into Connor. You know, Bedard I'll go with, not McDavid, but McDavid's his favorite player. But I don't know. Any hot takes on that, guys? Am I am I am I, am I being too harsh with it? I mean, you know, no. I just well, it's it's what your kid wants to do. I think it boils down to like we've talked about. Little Z would be on ice twenty four hours a day with that kid if he could. He just likes him. You know, it's a 16-year-old kid. They relate well to each other. They make fun of each other. It's a blast. You know, it's not ice hockey at that point. It's it's out there just messing around, having fun with a buddy at that point. So, like, that's where you got to f- draw the line. It's like taking him to a place where it's drill, 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 drill for – five out of six days or whatever it is. Yeah. It's probably way too much, but if he's asking to go, I I don't see a problem with going as much as possible. I think what you're describing though is a completely different relationship though, right? Like you, you almost describe a brother or little brother thing. So I I think you have to read your kid and that's a different take on that. Am I? Yeah. I think I'm in a very unique situation with that. You know, like I, I feel so blessed to have that kid in little Z's life. 
Right. Um, you know, he, he, that kid calls me all the time, asks how little Z's doing, how his games went. Like it, it is a, it is a brotherhood almost, right. so you that's, know, which is really cool. So I, maybe I'm not on the same topic. No, 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 this, no, but, no, no. You're on, you're on, you're on. I, I think you, you bring up a valid point though. Like you have to read your kid, right? That's, that's what you're saying. Yeah. So that's, that's completely different in my opinion, right? If, if you're going to stick and shoots and you're just effing around and you're just, you know, going out to have, again, it goes back to what he said, having fun, right? That's, that's completely different. I'm talking about the parent that's going to hammer them out before a tryout for, you know, for five days a week. And, uh, you know, I mean, if, if you're kicking handle it, that's fine, you know, but I, you know, I, I just, I'm just, I worry about burnout. That's all, you know, and, and where, where, how does burnout affect one? And that's not directed at, at little Z by any means. I think that's a completely different relationship, right? So that's what I was getting at, but you, you bring up a great point. Um, do you have anything to add on that coach or did you have a thought on that or? Yeah. Yeah. Um, I think uh, what Cowboy said was spot on there about he's fortunate because on the opposite end of the spectrum, um, you know, I'm dealing with a, uh, you know, a son who is a good hockey player, but he's not super, super passionate about the sport. Um, he plays it because it's a lot of fun and, and everything, but he, he doesn't want to do extra. So I have to be aware of that. If I had, um, you know, a different situation like Cowboy does, then I think that you can do more. I think it's healthy. I think if, if a player wants to train more and loves it and has a smile on their face all the time, you kind of let them lead the way with that. And that kind of goes into the whole thought on what, what are the parents' goals and what are the kids' goals? And I feel like one of the biggest problems, one of the biggest cancers in youth sports right now is the parents are dictating what the goals are for the kids. And uh, too often the parents are really driven because they want their son or daughter to get to a certain level by a certain age. But I mean, is that really what the kid wants and how often do they have those conversations to make sure that, that the, the child is on the same page as the parent. And I see lots of times I get phone calls. You guys can't even imagine how many I get daily with, parents that are asking questions about, well, do you think that this level will be okay for my son or daughter? And do you think that they'll be pushed hard enough to, for this coach and all these things? Well, have you ever thought to ask your child if they'll be okay with it? Because most likely they'll probably say, yeah, that's cool. That sounds like fun. Um, instead of analyzing every little detail. So I think it's a great point. I think we have to feed off the kids. The kids will dictate how much or how little they want to do. So, uh, and, and, you know, when it comes to developing, um, what are we developing for? Like what is a priority is, is a, the million dollar question, right? Are we, are we trying to make our kid a great hockey player or a great person through hockey, right? It goes back to that old adage, right? Like life through hockey. Um, and, and, you know, and, uh, we've heard coaches say, <laughs> and again, I think we've kind of joked about this, but we've heard coaches say, uh, you know, 
we're just, you know, at, at my level say that we're just coaching them for beer league. Right. You know, and it's like, okay, well that's great. But you know, right now, like I don't want, my kid doesn't need to hear that. Right. Like he still loves it and he wants to, you know, he wants to go out and be Ovi or whoever it is. Right. So I think that's where I struggle with it sometimes, right? And it took me a while to figure out, like, all right, what am I going to do with this? Am I going to use hockey as a vehicle to to teach my kids some some lessons and how to be resilient and and you know and and to be a good teammate? So, um, but I think it goes like like you said, like the coach said and 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 Cowboy said, you know, I think you got to read your kid. Um, any hot takes on that, Sammy? He looked like you're ready to roll I, I, or something. I, I think that, that one of the things that Coach Craig just said really stuck out to me was what are the parents' goals and what are the kids' goals? And having that conversation can be difficult. And I, I, I'm lucky because I, I have really smart hockey people that I can call. You know, I feel like I can call Coach Craig. I can call some people that, uh, that coached our junior team. When I start getting into that way donks mentality of we're going to go four days a week and and he's going to love hockey because I want him to love hockey, but at what like 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 that that that's like one of those like it almost makes you want to go upstairs and wake up little peanut and be like hey what do you want from hockey, you know what I mean like we talk about like the game will take him as far as he want it, but like does he have goals at eleven like I don't know, I think so. I think that he sees like where his billet brothers are and what they're doing and, and the success. But what are his goals? You know, like it, it, it's just one of those self-reflection moments, and and it, it's really got me scratching my head right now. Well, I you know when you say that too, it's like it can be hard when when you have a, an only child like I do, and is he motivated because he wants to go hang with his friends or is he motivated to play hockey and, and what's the appropriate level, right? Like, I, I think that becomes a struggle and, and the read is the hardest part, right? But I can't, I try not to read into it either, right? I don't try to over overanalyze it too, but as we're sitting here overanalyzing this. <laughs> <laughs> so, I think it's an interesting take. I just wanted to add something here, just thinking about something on a personal level that might add a little bit of value to this conversation. Um, when I, when I got to a high level of hockey, um, most notably, like when I first started playing college hockey and it all of a sudden every game's in front of, you know, five, six, eight, 10,000 fans. That's the first time that I ever played a game where I felt like there was a lot of pressure and I felt like every time I was on the ice, I was being evaluated and there was pressure to, to perform. And there was a lot of stress about failing and you were worried about being in the lineup and all those things. And it's the first time I ever felt like it was a job. And unfortunately, I feel like nowadays, a lot of kids feel like that right now. Uh, at 10 and 11 and 12 years old, I see them looking over at mom and dad after a turnover or if it's a goalie lets in a soft goal, they're looking in the stands and sometimes the reaction from the parents is very negative and it sends the kids into a deep, even a deeper hole. So one thing we got to be really cognizant of here, and it's so important because if we're not, then these kids will never have a chance at this sport is to realize that they're kids. And if the game feels like a job for them at 11 years old, we're failing. We're failing as coaches and we're failing as parents, as a supporting cast. 
So I never felt any stress or anxiety in hockey when I was a kid ever. And I can't tell you how many kids I coach right now that have anxiety through the roof, um, staring into the stands for approval from mom and dad or whatever, all with the body language, all these things. So this is a really important conversation. And I, I know we're not going to dig into it too deep now, but it's something to channel for another time because it's very real and it's ruining the sport for a lot of kids. Yeah, I mean that's that's a great point, um, and I think I think we've I think the three donks here have struggled with that, right? Because we stand on the glass, uh, and we all have like different takes on it. And I know for me, I constantly ask Little Panda, like, "Do you want me there?" Because if you don't, I'll go stand. It's in the stands. I don't care. Um, but you know, for for the most part, I think I'm pretty good about, and I'm not. I'm not saying this in a defensive manner or anything like that, based on what you said. I, I'm pretty good about trying not to react and, and and trying not to, you know, and try to motivate him. And he says that that me being on the glass motivates him. So it's it's. I think it goes back to reading your kid, right? I mean, oh, and he takes on. Oh, I'm dogs. guilty as shit, right? Like I I wear my heart on a sleeve during <laughs> the game, right? Like that, like like so, the clock is the best thing. Like, like running the clock is the best thing for me because I have to be emotionally invested in stopping the clock and not focused on what the fuck's going on. <laughs> yeah, I sat with you yeah, during like, that. But, I mean, but you, you, guys, you guys can and can be a testimonial when you see me tell Little Panda to move his feet and then somehow he ends up scoring a goal right after. I mean, how many times has that happened? You know, and it's not a negative, like, you know, like, WTF, but it's more like, okay, look at the clock. It's time. Let's go. Let's move, right? So it's just funny because the three of us have, like, different takes on it, right? Like, it's just different effects, and, and it's, you know. I, I don't think there's there's a right or wrong answer, but I understand completely what Coach Craig is saying, right? Like, you know, and, and I'll be honest with you, Coach Craig, and this might be the wrong approach. I go, you know, he's he's expressed that he wants to go play college hockey, and I go, well, once you get to college, it becomes a job, right? It, it, it really does. You have to get up at certain hours, and I've heard stories about the work you got to put in for it. So enjoy it now, right? Like, just enjoy it now, and, and when you get there, and if you really want it bad enough and your passion's there, then you're going you're gonna, to you're gonna work your way through that, right? But for the meantime, just enjoy it now. There's no, you, he's exactly right. There's no reason to put that kind of pressure on our kids, right? It's Tier 2 youth hockey. Well, well we're all yeah. into Tier 1, but you Have know, you so. heard of us? Yeah. Stop it. All right. <laughs> so I, I got a note here where it says, you know, where is that line between parent positivity and facilitation of motivation and hurting that development long term, right? Like where like where does that line like when do you start pushing, I guess is what I'm asking, right? And I guess Coach Coach Craig could give us a better idea, like statistics on when kids start quitting hockey traditionally because of that kind of pressure. You know, a lot of what I hear is yeah. checking years. Is that true or false, there, Coach? Yeah. Well, I think a lot of it has to do with a lot of things. Number one, um, other things that are happening in their lives, right? Kids get into high school and they have other interests and sometimes they just don't want to put the – time and effort it takes into being a good athlete. So I think from a statistical standpoint, I think it's like the 13, 14 year old range. Um, 
our partnership with PCA this year touched on that a little bit. Positive Coaching Alliance talked about kids quitting at an alarming rate at, you know, 13, 14 years old. So, um, again, you, you bring up another great point there about you said little Panda wants to play college. Well, it is a, it is a job, um, but it's rewarding for the people that want to do it. And I think that you have to, and there's no perfect, and listen, I'm not perfect either with mine. I, I make mistakes. None of us are perfect. It's really hard because we're so passionate about this stuff, but I think you got to allow the, the kids and the, the players to dictate what they're going to do when they get to a certain age. I think they know how bad they want it. And I think you can tell as a parent, as a support, as a coach. So at that time, I think the kids are either all in or they're all out and they have to make that decision. I don't think the parents can, if the, if the kids are all in, they're going to sacrifice what they have to do to get to that level. I never had a single spring break in my entire life through high school. I never had summer breaks off. It was training and skating all the time. Once I got to, you know, 18, 19 years old, it was a year round thing for me. I trained with somebody and skated all summer. And then I went to junior hockey. Then I went to college hockey. Then I went to pro hockey. And I missed out on a lot of things that regular people miss, you know, do vacations and spring breaks and, and different things that high school students do. I never got to do it every weekend when they're at parties, I'm traveling on a bus to some town in Ontario. And that's what I did. Um, but, but I loved it and I do it over again. It's not for everybody. And I tell kids now that if you're really serious about this, you have to understand the sacrifices that goes into it. And it's not just training. It's your life sacrifices, things you're willing to miss you know, to do this and stuff. So, um, you know, I did it. I, you know, I, I created some amazing friendships. I met my wife playing hockey in Tennessee of all places, <laughs> you know? Uh, so hockey was good to me. It's given me, it's given me almost everything, you know, everything I have in my life, honestly, I can, I can thank hockey for. That's uh yeah, that's, that's a great, it's it comes with sacrifice, right? But again, I think you just I think you nailed it on the head and either you have that conversation. Well, I mean, I think we have a long time to go for that still obviously, but but there is definitely has to be that balance, right? I think that's an important thing I took from that. Like you at this point, we need to have balance for our kids before we start making it a job, I think. Um in my opinion. Um, all right, let's let's talk about the next point here that he has, enhancing the physical skill set, get uncomfortable, all right? And, again, this is another thing that um, that you wrote in here that really makes me feel good about what I'm, what I'm doing, I guess. The best players in the world constantly work to improve their craft. Hockey is not a complex game, and you do not need to reinvent the wheel as far as skill development. The absolute most important skill is skating and anyone who tells you differently is lying. Do we not preach this all day, donks? Um, skating, skating, skating. Consistent training and repetition will increase, increase skating efficiency. Learn skating habits from coaches, understand the hockey stride and how to effectively use it in game situations. Incorporate pucks into your skating routine to mimic gameplay. Work on puck skills, include stick handling, shooting, and passing. Passionate players practice these skills because it's fun, not because they're trying to make a certain team. 
play stick hockey with friends. It's 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 kind of like a, a a summary of kind of like what you did in life. It sounds like Coach Craig, you know, play street hockey with friends, stick handle golf ball, shoot pucks in the driveway, practice with purpose, develop proper habits. You know, um, practice the skills that are difficult and uncomfortable. What I love about that is is that what I tell little Panda, and I, I know you, I've heard. Cowboys say this to Z is go out there and try it. Go out there, go out and practice it and try it and and practice this for failing. Failing, right? It's okay to fail in hockey. You do not have to be perfect. Right? And that's kind of what I take from that. Am I am I missing the point there, coach, or am I pretty on point with that? Um practice with yeah. purpose, but it's okay to to go and be uncomfortable and try different things. Yeah. I mean you know, whether you're a fan of this player or not, you know, Sidney Crosby, he's got, uh, I think, 550 goals in his career. And I think he scored like 120 on his backhand. And um, players from the youngest of ages, they don't work on things that are hard. Like if they if they struggle on their backhand, they don't want to work on it because it doesn't look good in practice. Or if they have a hard time stopping on their left-hand side, they, they don't want to work on it because – it's easier to stop on your right-hand side. I could go on and on. The reality of it is yeah. if you can acquire it, if you can acquire a better skill set, um, you know, you're never going to be perfect at everything, but you do have to do things that are hard. And I see players shortcut drills all the time because it's challenging and they don't want to do it and they don't want to get uncomfortable. So the best players, they do those things all the time until they're not uncomfortable anymore. And with skating, that's that's a conversation that you could have for an hour. It's the absolute most important thing in hockey. And I don't care how skilled you are with the puck. Um, you know, hockey IQ is a close second, but you have to be able to skate now. And, and my partner at 23 Hockey is an elite uh, skating instructor. He's been doing it for years. He's worked with NHL guys. And I see players come on the ice and he's trying to teach basic fundamentals. And those players don't think it's important. Like, I'm, I'm not going to do this because it's easy. I know how to do this. No, you don't. You don't know how to do it. And, um, and they want to bypass some of the basic parts of skating. So um, we allow, unfortunately, kids to develop these, these bad habits. And once they become 14 or 15 or 16, they're harder to fix. So... Skating is is absolutely the most critical skill for players that want to be effective at a high level of hockey. And oftentimes it's overlooked. So, you know, talking about the skill set and all the things you just mentioned there, Panda, like the skating is is really important and, and crucial. And it's just important for players to understand that there's a lot more to hockey than just skating down the ice and taking a wrist shot, you know, bar down or you know, doing whatever looks pretty, like you really got to learn the game and learn how to do things that are a little bit uncomfortable for you. Yeah, I, I think that's that's awesome. To me, it's, and this can be a weird analogy, and you guys can laugh at me all you want, is like public speaking, right? Like I had a hard time with public speaking for the longest time, as much as I talk too much in public. Uh, it's just a hard thing, right? And I, I try to tell little Panda, you know, especially at school, 
Like he hates, believe it or not, he hates reading. I go, okay, well, of everything that you're going to do at school, then you attack the thing that you fear the most, right? Like that's what I tell him, right? And so he turned it around. He got an A in reading this 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 quarter. So that's that's kind of that's kind of the take I get on that. And I love that, you know, make your kids uncomfortable, right? And and have them do things and, and learn things that that they might not want to do. So right. So we, you know, like my job, like I, 18 to 40 year olds is all I work with. And our, our motto at work is, is winning is hard, hard is authorized. Right. Um, and it's kind of one of those things that I like, kind of like you with the reading with, with little peanut, it's like, if it's easy, then you don't need to spend time on it almost. Right. Go after the thing that's difficult. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Um, so I think you mentioned this hockey IQ, Coach Craig, and it's kind of interesting that you say that. And, again, it's it just – I'm just amazed because and, and it, you help, like, validate a lot of things that, that I tried to, to teach Little Panda. And this is – this is why I'm so happy that you came on the show with – you talk about hockey IQ, and I've told, I've told people and I've told – that I've told Little Panda, I go, look, you might not be the most skilled player out there, but I want you to be the smartest player out there, right? And if you do that, like, that'll give you an advantage over these kids that think that they can just skate circles around people or just deke through people, right? You know, and, and I've, I've seen it, he, his development this year and seeing that, like, some of the plays he's made, and, and yeah, I'm tooting his horn. I'm like, how did you know to do that? Like, how did you suck those kids down there and, you know, and just find the open. I, I just, I, it's just, I, I think, I think that's kind of the part of the game that people forget about. And especially, you know, for DMV hockey, we become so centered focus on, you know, you know, as a might just, and I get it, you want to learn the mechanical skills, but it becomes so centered focused on, you know, that, that we need to learn to grow the game better. Does that make sense? Am I off at that point or? No, um, no, no, the, uh, the, the best way, the best way that I've ever heard somebody talk about hockey IQ is the best players have an, an ability to stay like one or two seconds ahead of the play. And it's really hard to do, but what that basically means is if you're forechecking on a defenseman and you're angling him a certain way, right or left, you're basically predicting what he's going to do, you know, a second before he does it. And it's actually not as hard as you think because you're reading the body language of the player and, you know, where's his stick at and where's his stick pointed and all those things. But the really smart players are able to do that throughout the game and they have an advantage over players that can't do that tenfold. Like it's unbelievable. You know, I call it an athletic mind, if you will. You know, in other sports, football players, reading plays, um, you know, you can go through every sport. There's different variables of ways that people can think the game. But in hockey, anticipation and perception of what your opponent is going to do gives you such a massive advantage uh, in this sport. It's incredible. Players that don't have the physical speed or the strength or the size are able to survive and be effective in hockey when they can think the game better than their opponents. Yeah. I mean, 
So when when I tell, again, I, I sound like I'm talking all about Little Panda tonight, but I'm sorry. Uh, when I tell Little Panda, I am, I am, I'm being a donk. <laughs> look at my kid, look at my kid. Uh, when I tell Little Panda to pass the puck, I go, please don't pass the puck to to the player. I go, pass the puck to where the player is going to be, <laughs> right? I go, because at that point he's already moved, right? Because the game is so damn fast, right, in my opinion, so... But I think that's a that's a great point in there in in, in what you wrote there. Um, all right, let's 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 move on to the next overcoming adversity with mental resilience, uh, which which sounds like Panda's rule number two. <laughs> Hockey is a game in which mistakes are made constantly, which in turn always presents opportunities. It's a reason for the most it's the most exciting game on the planet, right? Hockey players deal with adversity all, every time they step on the ice. There's a constant range of emotions. Accepting mistakes and imperfections is a part of being a great player, right? Like, you should be able to make mistakes, all right? And it's not – you can't be perfect, right? Uh, kids should develop a growth mindset, be open to new experiences, and acknowledge in advance. There will be setbacks along the way. Preparing for potential setbacks and helping them as a natural course of development will reduce stress and anxiety and give kids a mental fortitude to handle adverse. I mean, there's, there's – what else can you say about that, right? Like, teach your kids to deal with adversity, you know, you're going to get knocked down. You're going to get calls that aren't called against you, right? You're going to get off the ice and you think you're going to lose a game and you're going to bitch about the refs. And it's just, you know, refs don't lose a game for kids. The, the kids lose the games if, if they're not focused, right? I mean, um, did, what do you guys think of that? Yeah. I mean, that's... Isn't that what we're teaching? Like, I, I think adversity, you have to have adversity, right? Like, you you can't win every game. And, like, I think you've said it before, Cowboy, there's more in a loss. You learn more from a loss than a win, right? Have we discussed that? We've discussed that before, right? I mean, I, I, I personally, like, could you imagine? Like, I felt like our might season, you know, when I was at, at another program, we were just, like, pumping teams and I'm like this is kind of boring after a while like it's not even fun you know and I just think that that there needs to be that balance right so it goes back to the the conversation about winning people are really caught up in winning and they think that that's going to be the best development path for their son or daughter is to win and win and win and the reality of it is it's just it's just not I mean Sure, winning's great. Everybody wants to win. I mean, if you don't want to win, you're lying. Everybody wants to win. But um, there are great lessons to be learned from losing uh, if you have the, the mental fortitude to learn from it. And obviously, when we're dealing with kids, you know, an eight-year-old who loses a championship game of a tournament and he's crying, yeah, there's not a lot of great things you're going to say that's going to cheer them up then. Um, that's just kind of where you got to support them. But when you're growing and evolving as a player and you have some setbacks, I mean, that's good. That's, that's really good. Setbacks are really good. And um, it's going to prepare you for your next setback and your next setback. Cause they don't stop. You're going to have setbacks nonstop in, in this sport. Cause it's a really, really challenging sport. And you're always going to play players that are better than you. And you're always going to have bad bounces. Like it's just, it's an unforgiving sport hockey. So I just feel like it's really important that we stay positive through the, through the negatives 
and learn from the setbacks and, and have that resilience. I think it's, it's, it's not easy to teach a young kid how to do that. It's not right. None of us can say, Oh, it's easy to teach a nine year old kid to smile after they just lost a championship game. It's just not, but I mean, we do have to work at it and we do have to, we have to educate parents that winning is not everything. It's just not your, your kid is not going to be a better player because they won more games. So coach, can I ask you, would you rather see a kid upset after a loss though? Like just because you know he's bought in. That's a great question, and yes, you do want the. Of course, yeah, absolutely. But be upset, and then talk to him about it. Okay, we lost. It's okay. I mean, what'd you learn from it? You know, what do you think we could have done differently? Type of thing. Yeah, that's fine. There's nothing wrong with that. But let it go. It's over. Let's not dwell on it. Let's not let it affect you into your next game or your car ride home. I think that it's important to turn the page. And I mean, there's a various levels, right? We're, we could be talking about a, an 8U might player or a 15U tier one kid who just lost districts go to nationals. I mean, there's a big difference between these conversations, right? So, but I just think that teaching, teaching the kids to be, just be resilient through it. I mean, losing is part of life. And I, honestly, the, the kids that don't lose, I think they suffer for it more in the long run when they, when they finally do lose. Absolutely. I think that we, we try to turn it into, well, what are you going to do at practice next week? You know, so you don't have to have this feeling again. Like, and I, I don't know that that's necessarily the right answer, but it's the one that works for us. Like, I don't know what, what's your thoughts on that? Yeah. I mean, you watch all these documentaries of these amazing, like historically great coaches in football and baseball and basketball and everything. And, and um, they're always prepared for the next day. Right. And prepared to move forward. And, um, I agree. I mean, you turn the page and you keep working. I mean, resilience is hard. Like, don't get me wrong. It's hard. I mean, I'm not going to sit here and say like, it's just easy to be resilient because it's not it sucks. Everybody hates losing it. It's, it's really hard on kids. It's hard on parents. It's hard on coaches. Um, I don't handle it as well as I should. Hell, I'll tell you a funny story about resilience. Um, Last year, in a uh, in our championship game of the team I coached, um, you know, my frustration and anger boiled over, and it resulted in me breaking my foot. And I'll let you guys uh, figure out how that might have happened. But uh, I have uh, anger and frustration just like everybody else. So, um, you know, at the end of the day, like, we can sit here and talk about it all day long about how it's so easy to just tell a kid to turn the page. It's not. But we got to try. Like, we got to do our best. We can't just be like, you know, hanging our heads and, oh, this sucks. And I can't believe we lost. It was the ref's fault. I mean, what are we teaching our kids if we're doing that all the time? Yeah, I, I agree with it. I mean, if the, if the machine worked perfect all the time, then, and you don't see those issues with the machine when it breaks down, then how are you going to fix it? Right. If we just leave our kids sheltered all the time, how do you how do you teach them about the negative side of life? Right. Like, I, I, that's my opinion. I mean, I think I think we all try to teach them life lessons. You know, you have to teach them from both sides of it. I don't think you can just shelter them from the good or else they're just going to fail. Right. I mean, that's just life. 
I mean, what do you think about that, no, Sammy? I, I, I completely agree, and I would much rather my kid learn how to fail at a game, right? Not to quote Allen Iverson, but, right, like I need him to fail before it means something. Right, right. We've seen enough where you're like, oh, that's catastrophic. I don't <laughs> yeah, want you no, to fail in that situation. I don't need any more midnight, <laughs> midnight work days. Like, right, exactly, exactly. So, um, but yeah, I love it. That's a great point. Um, all right, so let's, and I think this goes back to uh, surrounding yourself with the, <laughs> there you go, popping that beer loud as crap. <laughs> It was a twist off, even it was so damn well, loud. That's because he's drinking a fucking <laughs> truly. I think he's drinking a. Okay, I'm not even going to go there. Let's stay <laughs> off that topic. All right. Surrounding yourself with the positive influencers. <laughs> Surrounding yourself with positive people, organization, coaches, teammates will significantly improve your development as a person and athlete. Positive environments promote motivation, energy, and fun. Yep, limit your interactions with organizational figures that promote uh, negativity with the team or club and try to focus your energy on things you can control. Success and development should never be measured by wins and losses. We just talked about that uh, earlier. Youth hockey players should always compete to win but should never feel pressure to win. We talked about that. Years down the road, a youth hockey win-loss record will be irrelevant to the person or athlete you become. First of all, a CBHL championship is going to – be draped all over my pool table, so I disagree. No, I'm so kidding. When my kids um, yeah. in, when my kids being recruited by <laughs> UMass Lowell, like, how else am I going to put him that yeah, one I mean, step his res- up if he wasn't CBHL champion? Little, little pandas, <laughs> little pandas, uh, tournament win as a mite from Frederick is on his resume. We've already got resumes built what's up. His, uh, what's his elite creating- prospects say? Oh my God, he is a you know, he's a nine star out of five star prospect, bro. Because of the uh, some of those championships Let's locally. Let's go. <laughs> I don't know what all, I don't know what that is. I mean, what's I'm, I'm going to just blow that? I'm obviously we're kidding, coach. Uh, but no, or, or am I? You guys think I'm not? But I'm, I, I, I'm, I'm kidding. I know yeah. he's got an elite prospects. Uh, shut up. Um, there, you know. This is this is this is a sentence I wrote here. There is there is a no is there is there failure in well no I wrote there is no failure in development when you win too much lose too much is, is the question right? I mean, is there a failure in development if you just win all the time? Yeah, I would think so. I, so Can you fail if you never see a win? Like I think it would be frustrating, right? I got go ahead so there, we came Uncle from Sammy. Three and forty-two to very successful. And the the amount of growth that we did both years I think is identical, which is kind of ironic, right? This season, um, this is the first year for me as a coach this past season that just finished that I finished with a losing record. And I'll be honest with you, it was it was pretty it was hard. It was interesting and it was it was hard for me. Um, but at the end of the day, when I look back on this season last year, I can't believe how much we learned from it. The kids on my team, uh, they're going to be way better off for this. We played an unbearably difficult schedule last year. We played against some of the best kids in the country and it was really, really hard. And some of the losses were lopsided and some of them were, were difficult to handle. But looking back on this, this experience this past season, 
it's going to pay huge dividends for these kids next year because they know now what this level is going to be like. They understand it. They know how they have to compete to be successful. So although it was difficult to go through this year, the adversity is going to pay off. I feel very strongly for these kids next year and beyond. So I look at it as a blessing last year, as crazy as that sounds. No, you got to crawl before you walk, right? I mean, that's what it comes well, down I, to. I think that, that um, that's the lens that we have to look at our season, Big Panda, right? Like, like there's going to be some some tough games that we play, and it's yeah. Oh, coming up, like, yeah, like, and and it's 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 to no fault of anybody's, right? Like, like we're gonna play good hockey. Well, I think that comes down. It, it just is what it is, and we have to learn how to compete at that level. Well, I think I think you need to go back to what he said here, right? Surrounding yourself with the positive influencers, right? Like you got to look at it with a proper mindset before you go into it, right? And what are your expectations? Is it, it, it does it meet? Is it going to meet your expectations or is it going to meet your kids' expectations, right? And that's the most important thing. Like if the kid wants to play at that level, well, then there you go. You're going to play at that level, right? But he also understands, or they need to understand, that they're not going to win every freaking game. You know, it's just not going to happen. You just you just stepped it up a notch. But you can't make that your expectation, right? And you can't expect too much from it, or you're just gonna. It's going to be like a clash of of thoughts, right? And it's just going to be I negative think, for him, I, in my opinion. I think opinion. that there's a huge thing that you said there is is your expectations and his expectations or her expectations. I think that if right. at, at this point. Right, going into Pee Wee Minor, if your expectations and their expectations aren't matching, like there might be an issue. Yeah, you better figure it out quick, right? And I think that's where the struggle was for for where we were even trying out, right? Like, was it what I wanted or was it what he wanted, right? And that's where that's I think that's a lot of struggles for a lot of people. Like, what does your kid want? Are you taking him somewhere where he doesn't want to be and where you want to be? Right, and and I think you and I finally came full circle, and we're like, okay, it's not it's not about I, me. I think some of the, some of it's the best him. advice I got was, let him go, but he'll tell you if that's where he wants to be or that's not where he wants to be, or he'll show you. Well, you know, he'll show you by having fun. Let's go back <laughs> by, to rule one, how or he plays. the uh, the beginning of the blog, you know, yeah, how he plays. Right, I mean, that's 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 it right there. Um, let's see, accepting responsibility and taking ownership of accountability. Hockey is a team game and success will always be determined by the group rather than the individual. If you seek success, okay, let's repeat that. Always be determined by the group rather than the individual, right? We talked about team play, uh, but it, I think it goes for the culture around it. If you seek success, it's vital you uphold your responsibility as a member of that team and be held accountable for your actions. These skills will set up for success in life way beyond hockey as well as earn the respect of your teammates and coaches. I think that's a great take. Um, kids need to, to – yeah, kids need to take accountability for their own actions, right? That's a life lesson there, right? Stop blaming everybody else is, is what it comes down to. As a parent or coach, not pin blame on other kids or on the team to deflect responsibility and accountability from your own child. That is – fantastic and it speaks volumes by itself i think go read it read it twice read it three times you know okay how do you hold kids accountable in today's time 
right? It's different. Like I used to run, yeah. I used to run up and down a hill because I wasn't accountable. Like that's not the day and time that we live in right now. Yeah. It's a really good question. And, you know, for me personally, this year, we had some, some issues that um, were, you know, on ice, off ice issues. And um, eventually what we ended up doing was kind of having a hard line on the rules. Like, Hey, if practice starts at seven 30 and you're in the building at seven or seven Oh five, you, you have to be on the ice at seven 30. If you're late, there's going to be consequences and just getting the parents on board, I think is the biggest thing. So in my opinion, we can set all the rules we want with an 11 or 12 year old kid, but if we don't get support from the parents, there's going to be a lot of resistance. So I think it's really important to make sure that the parents are on board with, um, you know, some, some accountability and disciplinary issues, but you're right though. I mean, I remember growing up, if my coach was talking in the locker room and I was like taking tape off my shin pads, the coach would just send me out of the room. Like I'd be standing out in, in the lobby half, half undressed. And my parents would never question the coach because what I did was disrespectful. Nowadays, if you do something like that, you're going to have to answer the bell to that from, from, from mom, from USA hockey, from the director of the club, from whoever. And it's tough. I don't have a perfect answer. And I can tell you with my role in youth hockey, um, I have about a meeting a week or more during the season dealing with this topic. Parents that are disappointed that the coach sat them because they didn't bring their game jersey or because, you know, they forgot their socks or because they talked back to a teammate. And my answer is always like, you know, I think there has to be some accountability back on your child. And I would, I would appreciate it if you would endorse that because I think it would help them in the long run. But the reality of it is we don't get that endorsement from, from everybody. We don't. So we have to go about it in a respectful manner. We have to be as respectful as we can about the way we do it and try to get buy-in from the parents and do the best we can to, to raise, you know, good young men and women. I think it's it's super interesting how you said that. And then I'm going to kind of go back to how you, you talked about hockey growing up and the difference now is if we went to like a Minnesota style design where there's districts and like where you play, like does that affect any of that? Or do you think it still stays the same? Well, yeah. Jeez, there's a lot of things I want to say right now, but I'm going to bite my tongue on some things. That was, that um, was a super loaded I, uh, question. This is the Donks Hockey Pod. There is no biting your tongue. <laughs> bite, bite, yeah. bite, bite your tongue. It's okay. Don't listen to him. From a, Coming from a man who never bites his tongue, don't listen to that guy. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, that's a great question. and uh, And I think that you know, different parts of the country, different, um, you know, different, uh, um, I'm trying to think of the best way to say this, but, um, you know, we live in a very affluent area here, right? We do. We live in a, in a very uh, power-driven, affluent part of the country. And I think uh, a lot of kids grow up here um, not, not suffering for much. And I think some of that 
sometimes carries over into athletics and, you know, I'll say it, there's a sense of entitlement. There just is, there's a sense of entitlement here and there's a sense of entitlement everywhere. It's not just here where we live. It's, it's everywhere. And I just feel like, uh, there's a bit of a struggle between, you know, a level of, of respect with uh, coaches and teachers and, and different things from kids today. And it's, it's, it's hard. It's challenging. Coaches have to bite their tongues all the time. Um, but to answer your question about Minnesota and Detroit, you know, different parts of the, of the Midwest and other regions of the country, I do think it's a little bit different. I think it's a little bit more blue collar. I think it's a little bit more of a struggle for a lot of families to put their kids through youth travel sports. So I think there's a better sense of gratitude from the kids because they know how difficult it is for the parents to do it. It was difficult for my parents. I never played AAA hockey because my parents could not afford it. They couldn't. They could barely afford for me to play. Just registration was 250 bucks when I was a kid. And it was a struggle for them to do it. So I just feel maybe I'm, I'm going off here on the deep end, but I, I, I just feel like some of the, you know, my kid are probably included in this, like life, life is okay for them. And uh, I don't know if they appreciate what they have all the time. So sometimes that carries over into their attitudes when they're participating in sports, if that makes sense. I think when he says uh, kids don't appreciate it, I think they're all kind of intertwined. And if we if we maintain a stance of a sense of entitlement, like my kid is entitled to play this and this and that, then then they're not going to appreciate what they have. Does that make sense? Oh, uh, it's a hundred percent. Like it almost goes into that. Like like I'll never forget it. It was our what second game of like the cbhl year and peanut left his jerseys at home we were playing montgomery and he looked at me and he said you forgot my jerseys and i snapped back i snapped back at him real quick no 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 i have my clothes on you forgot your jersey you go talk to coach and figure it out if you can even play or not like like yeah, I mean it's 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 I think that's the biggest problem there is. I mean, we start coddling. I'll say it. I'll yeah, there's a lot of I mean, coddling. <laughs> no. Yeah, I mean there's a lot of that going on and and I, I just I don't I don't know if uh, I don't know. I I, I have so many thoughts about this. I, I just fire, don't Well, the the problem is I think he, he you know, you you come from a the DMV culture, and this is not an indictment of the of the people here. It's the culture that we're in, right? Is predominantly white collar, right? Um, you go to certain areas where hockey is very, very strong, and there's a lot of blue collar areas. And I think that affects the mentality. I think of some of where where hockey and how hockey's played, right? Like you don't sit on the ice and you know, have a late cramp and start crying. You know what I mean? I'm, and I'm not, I'm just using it as an example, right? But like how many kids go down and they stay on the ice down and some of them are legitimately injured. I'm not, I'm not taking away from that, but the other ones, you know, you go somewhere else, you're like, you know, you can hear dad probably in the stands in a blue collar time, be like, you better get the F up kid. 
You know, you better you better get back on your butt and you better start rolling. If it ain't if it ain't broke, I mean, how many NHL players, you know, play and you find out later that they 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 had a broken ah, ankle. Broken I mean, or, orbital bone. Like, yeah. Who the I mean, who the hell plays with the? But and then we're sitting over here like, yeah. Oh, little I'm Timmy sorry, I went off on a tangent, hard. but I'm really worried about him. Right. I'll tell you guys uh, another another thing just on top of what you're saying. Like when, when we play these teams, and you guys will next year when you go to Detroit and Chicago and and to the you know certain areas of the Northeast. There's a different style of play, and the kids, um, the kids are just a little bit different. Even when you see them walk into the rink, I mean. We, we see kids uh, that come in, they don't have matching track suits and they don't have team bags and stuff. And then they go on the ice and they just kick your ass all over the ice. They're mean, they're physical, they're tough. They play with grit. And there's so many lessons to be learned from that. It's incredible. I remember years ago, I was coaching at uh, the USA Hockey Nationals and we were in the semifinals and playing against a team from St. Lawrence and this team they all had on different helmets and they had on different gloves and, you know, it kind of looked like, like the bad news bears. Like it just, it looked like a men's league team coming out on the ice. Right. But these were just kids that just wanted it so bad, man. And they came out there and they just beat us up and down the ice. And I'll never forget it. It was such a great lesson for those kids that I coach. And some of them, some of them knew it and they took that lesson well, but, um, Hockey is such an awesome sport because you see so many different sides of it. And when you travel around the country and you play against different teams and different kids and different kids with different backgrounds and stuff. And it's, uh, it's always awesome to see the, just the different levels of intensity and compete level and toughness. So um, I don't know. It's, it's interesting. Very interesting to say the least. <coughs> I'll piggyback I, on that, Craig. I, it's one of those things, like I was told really real early in, in Peanut's career, it's not the kid that has the new stick, the new skates, and, you know, the nicest everything. It's the kid that's got the, the wood twig, and he's wearing Gretz's skates from the 80s that you need to watch out for. Yeah, I I, I think that's a great take. Um I, I think there's going to be, there could be some rude awakening for some kids, right? Like, I mean, it's just, if you're not preparing them for that. And I think about the Rocky speech, you know, where he's talking to his son, right? Like, that's what I think about. And I show Little Panda that all the time, right? It's not how hard you can, you get, you know, it's about how hard you get hit and you give it up, right? Like, that's what I... And that's how I envision this to go next. You know what I mean? Like, I want to see that physical play. Because that's going to tell me whether I'm spending money when he's 14 you and older. Right? Like, that's going to tell me, like, okay, does he really have a passion for the sport? And I don't have to do a damn thing. Right? His play is going to tell me, like, okay, because you better toughen up real quick because hockey is not, you know, and I'm not trying to scare any listeners, but, I mean, obviously, Coach Craig has been through this all his life, right? It's tough as nails. What do we say right? in, and that's, in Chirac Cowboy? That's a penalty in Virginia. 
That's not legal. Virginia. Stop doing that. <laughs> <laughs> finish your finish your check, little. Well, you Timmy. you remember? No, please don't. <laughs> let me let me tell you, and you guys you guys saw my face and how happy I was when we played that first team in Colorado. You you didn't see a cowboy, but the first team we played in Colorado was a California team, and I was thinking like that team's going to come out here and just just. I just you know just watching San Jose and some of those teams out there in the NHL they play so physically right I'm like this team's probably gonna come out here and I watched little Panda finishing his checks you know it was all clean angles but I was like that's the kind of hockey I wanted to see for him because I wanted to see how tough he is right like how much he loves well, the I think sport that's just one of those like you've seen hockey in other places and you understand what it is too it's different. <laughs> Oh yeah, even 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 going up, you know, I was a little surprised when we went up north, though. Even when we played up in Boston, that you didn't wasn't think as so? physical as I thought it was going to be. I don't know. Maybe maybe my my I thought is I thought right when now, we but... played in Boston, it was it was pretty physical, and we didn't even play the like real dirty Whoa. team that was up there. <laughs> right. Oh yeah. 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 <laughs> I didn't. I didn't think it was. I, I thought I didn't think it was. And maybe because our kids respond. Maybe because our kids. Maybe because our kids responded to it. I guess maybe that's yeah, why there was, it didn't seem well, as physical. The, to the me, bigger but. takeaway from that is they were the bullies all year, and then they got bullied a little bit, and they stood back up. Yeah, it worked out well. Yeah. I mean, I think our our team stood its ground well. Um, it's just different when a team comes out physical and fast. You know, we're our team was. Physical and fast, but they were two different two different kids doing it. Well, it was or. yeah, it was an or. It was right. An or. Those yeah. teams were fast plus physical. We kind of had a separation, so yeah. it was okay, a Iowa. it was a way different experience. But I think our kids stood their ground. You know, they they did what they needed to. We had the honey badger out there doing what he did best, and you know, it it worked out. Yeah. It's definitely it was definitely interesting, um, and it was it was it was crazy because when we were in Colorado, that team that we played that first day played is completely different the second game, and then and then we didn't beat them. It was like two like you just said it was a tale of two games like the physical game like okay let's do this, and they mixed it up with them and we ended up pulling a win out and then the second game you're like maybe that maybe what? that's not how we beat these guys. <laughs> Right, exactly. Like, okay. Anyways, it was. Anyways, that's. I just thought it was a great take on that, you know. And I'm looking forward to it. Um, all right, let's do this last one, and then let's go into our top three. And then, uh, I, I'll be honest with you, Coach Craig. Uh, this has been fantastic. I, but I've got a ton more questions for you, so we're gonna have to get you back on here for sure. Um, you know, just about kind of you know what's going on in DMV hockey, and I think it will go well with your other blog, uh, the Hockey Path. I think we can incorporate some of these other questions in there. Um, but uh, so the last thing here is control the controllables. Every hockey player can control their attitude, work ethic, coachability, mindsets, emotions, and reactions. To a young player, it's easy for them to get frustrated with the things they cannot control. Uh, to include ice time, bad luck, neg- negative environment, losing uh, and their opponents, but it's a fight worth fighting. Control the controllables is a big thing in their development. So learning how to cope with some of those things, right, I think it goes back to 
kind of a mix of that resiliency. Am I reading that right, Coach? Um, yeah, like overcoming a lot of things there and, and figuring out, you know, so. But, yeah, I mean, I, I think just overall, like, I think that's great, right? It it, it just – go ahead, Coach. Okay. Um Absolutely. I think one of the things that uh, when you become old, like, like us, you start to own your, uh, your shortcomings. And um, I look back on my, my career in hockey and I can tell you, I made a lot of mistakes and I feel like I can take a lot of those mistakes now and try to help this next generation of players. And one of the things I really struggled with was controlling or, you know, being frustrated with things that were out of my control and I missed a shift or I hit a goal post or, you know, uh, a penalty that I shouldn't have been called or whatever. And, and I, I struggled with it. I, it, it affected the way I played and it affected my performance. And I, I just feel like the, the best players have that inept ability to just fight through that stuff mentally. And I don't really think looking back on playing youth hockey, like in the, I mean, I, geez, I, I was born in 1976. So playing youth hockey back in the eighties. I don't really remember coaches being such big advocates of like the mental side of hockey. I think we just, the coaches went out there in like jeans and a sweatshirt and, and skates and they just did the best they could. We scrimmaged and we shot pucks around and it was fun, but no one talked about like, Hey, uh, little Johnny's got to work on his hockey IQ or his resiliency or his whatever, but we, we just didn't do it. And now I think it's important that we do focus on some of these things with these kids uh, at a young age and like, Hey, you come off the ice, you slam your stick because you missed an empty net. Okay. Yeah. It sucks. I get it. You're pissed off. So what you can't go back and do it over again. So move on. And it's not going to, these kids aren't going to necessarily just be like, Oh, you're right, coach. Um, I'm over it. No, it's, it's going to take time, but we, we do have to drill it into their heads. Like, you know, goalies, Goalies are the biggest project in this. And it's been really interesting to watch some of the goalies I've coached over the years to see how they handle letting in a soft goal or a bad game and, or a bad practice and stuff. And the best goalies always just fight through it. They literally just move on. And it's incredible to watch how they can do it. Even some of the youngest kids, 10, 11, 12 year old kids, they just fight through it. And so I just think that there's things that are out of our control as players that we can't change. And if we can try our best to let some of them go, you're not going to let them all go. No one's perfect. No one has this amazing mindset like, oh, it's never happened. But if we can work on fighting through that stuff, I just think it gives the players more energy, um, more positivity. And I just think they refocus and go back to doing what they do. So. Yeah, I mean, just like in life, right? You got to just find things that uh, to waste your energy. You, you can't waste your energy on certain things and put your energy into the things that you can focus, you know, that you can control. So, I, I, I think I think this this can be summarized best with there's obviously many aspects to development, right? It's not singular. It's not linear. And there's a lot of different takes, you know, a lot of different aspects to it. Um, and and the, the one thing I will say about, I, I know you just said that 
that as as a youth, your coaches didn't focus on all those things. But I think it's going to be my hot take. I think the culture has changed where, you know, back then I don't think coaches needed to, to work on those things, right? Like your, your kids had a, had a different kind of edge to them that, that played, played the sport. Right. And especially with, with a, I would consider a, a very young developing culture of hockey in, in the DMV area. Right. There, those, 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 foundations just aren't set yet right so i think you guys have to do more and work harder at it as as coaches and as as leaders and and leadership in hockey um what do you think of that there sammy you look like you have a take on that or or cowboy i I think that like that's a huge hot button topic for my house right because we struggle with resiliency like like my my kid wears his heart on a sleeve like he's on the ice for a goal you know it he's on a he's on the ice when we score you know it like being able to ride the wave of emotion and not show it is one of the biggest struggles that i have in youth hockey like like how do i temper the good and temper the bad because he's such he's so emotionally vested in 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 the team right like i i don't want to ever take that away from him right like i want him to be vested in 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 the group of kids that he's with but how do i like stop the stick slam how do i stop the slump shoulders like how do you, you know what i mean like like i i think that's super yeah. interesting like yeah i mean that's yeah, it's it's again if you if you only had successes, right, and you didn't have those failures or moments where he felt like he failed, then what do you how can you teach him anything? Right? But again, I think it's just when you come from a, a different environment, I, I think this is where you, you get in that hot topic, you know, when and as as you know people like coach Craig that have played hockey all their lives and have, have come from a different environment, that must be the biggest adjustment. Right. And it's like, like I want us to be like old souls selling this, right? Like, Hey, you know, like you, you better have these foundations laid down at home before you even hit the ice in my opinion. Right. Like, I, you know, we're having talks with our kids on the side and I want the best kid to go to a coach Craig and, and for him to coach him and be like, I don't have to worry about all this shit because my parents already, you know, this parent's got it on lockdown. And I'm not trying to put that pressure on, on, on little Panda, right? But I just think that it just needs to be, I think that's where there's a disconnect, right? And I heard, I think that there, and this is just my little editorial thing here, I think that too much emphasis is put on the coach sometimes. Right, where is the parents' part of it? Hundred percent. You know, like where where are you taking that responsibility? You know, and Coach Craig only has my kid for an hour. I want him to teach him hockey, right? The life stuff it'll come. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like I, that's Absolutely. that's what I'm coming from with that. But but that's the that's what I'm saying about development, right? Like there's all those lessons you can pick off the ice that you can tell little Peanut and say, hey. I saw you do this here, right? Let's correct this. And this is why, right? Because the coach isn't going to have time to do it, really. You know, he's trying to teach your kid how to play hockey. But it's a total 
uh, I guess the total environment that you know the whole culture of it, right? Like, and the well, parents so that do that's that. That's one of those too. parts that I I worry about, right? Like, like at what point am I overstepping? Right, like as a parent, like the coach is the coach, right? And I have to trust him. So, at what point do I overstep and I'm 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 in the coach's swim lane, like? Well, let him teach the hockey. You teach him everything else. But, but we just talked about how intertwined right? it is, right? Like, like I, I, I don't know. Like, it's, it's it, it truly is one of those places where I struggle. Like, right? Like, well, I, I think I think it goes to, <laughs> I think it goes to okay. If he's being res- respectful, and he's listening to what the coach says, and he's being receptive, and he's having fun, then you've done your job, and you've you're you're you can parent. You can still parent right your kid. Right he slams the stick on the ice and then has shitty body language coming off the ice, and the coach doesn't notice it. <laughs> well, listen. Okay, and that is not the time for you to chew I, his ass. I completely ass. agree. I, I, I don't know, Coach. What do you think? Like, right? Like, like there's there are things that you pick up on that I miss, and there are things that that I see that that you don't see. Like, where's well, where's the fine line? I think, first of all, we got to realize that we're never going to fix all of these problems. Like, you're not going to snap your fingers and, um, you know, these kids just stop the stick slamming. I mean, they're passionate kids. They care. So it's not the end of the world for kids to show emotion. I mean, we're not we're not fixing, you know, we're not solving uh, all the world problems here. I mean, it's, it's just not going to happen. So I think you take baby steps like, hey, listen drive home and say, Hey, remember that, that time you had a bad shift and you slammed your stick on the boards? Like, what did you accomplish there? Say, you know what? Your teammates looked at you and probably thought, you know what? That's kind of a selfish play. So think about that next time. Next time you come back to the bench, and you want to slam your stick. Everybody in the arena sees it. So are you accomplishing anything positive and maybe make them think about it? Like, you know what? You're right. So I think it's baby steps. You're not going to solve all these things. I like kids that have passion and emotion. I like kids that get pissed off. It's fine. It's part of it. But I mean, you know, <laughs> slam your stick. You're going to slam your stick and then get past it. Move on. You have another shift coming up in a minute and 48 seconds. So get ready to get back on the ice and kick ass. And I mean, that that's the biggest thing. Don't let the shit carry over from one shift to another to another. That's, that's what you need to avoid to be successful in this sport. Boom. There you go. You're, you're pissed off, little panda? Well, then go freaking do something about it. Okay, stop crying about it and go do something about it, right? Get past it and go do something because you know what your your teammates need you, right? And you're and that shit's infectious, you know. When you're down, they're down, right? So that's that's exactly the point. Um, but that's a great take, man. I mean, I I felt like we had some really good conversation on this. I I could talk. I mean, we well, could yeah, go. This, we, I could do. I could, this could I be could a three hour pod. <laughs> Yeah, this is fantastic. I mean, I love it. Um, I'm honestly, I have a, I have a shit ton of questions for you, Coach Craig. I'm going to save it for another one. So basically, I'm going to force your hand, make you come back on. Um, <laughs> All in, because um, I really enjoyed it. Yeah. So uh, let's let's. <laughs> but um, let's let's do um, let's whoa, do our top whoa, three whoa. real I need quick. A fortune cookie before the top. Yeah, three. yeah. No. Don't skip out on us. You want the fortune cookie? We've been waiting for this all week. With this fortune cookie. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know what? I, I, I think in, in 
and again, because because uh, of our guest, I actually stole this. Quote Damn, from him. copyright infringement already. <laughs> It is. It's a. It's. You know what? We'll call it a Canadian fortune cookie wisdom. Wait, wait. What are those called? Those little. Uh... Oh man. Is this a poutine? No. Joke? No. No. Are you making fun of poutine? First of all. Do we need to clarify no, like poutine because that's pastry could, that's yeah. really popular in Canada? No. A croissant? Come on, Coach Craig. What are they? A croissant? Would you have? No. Beignets? I'll remember them once this ends, but... Breakfast? What is he talking about? How would... Dude, all the billets that I've had... I don't I don't know, because he's... No, no, no. Like, They're like little First cookies. of all, Cowboy's never know, but been to Canada. Reason, outside of... He doesn't pass- have a fucking never- passport. How could he Listen, get to Canada? Listen, outside of... They do a wanted check before you go guys, into Canada. He would guys, not have made I'll it into this. He would have been <laughs> real quick if you'd let me. I went to Bass Pro Shops and there was this little shop or this little like stand right outside of Bass Pro. And they were selling these, whatever they were, they were little pastries. And I even asked Coach about them, um, other Coach. And he was like, oh, yeah, those are super popular by us. But I bought some, and they were fantastic. But, yeah, the only reason I ever saw I them was – I feel like was, this is a scene out of – This is a scene out of Talladega Nights. Okay, He's like, say you love crepes. <laughs> this is – yeah. Never. Yeah, yeah. Never say you will. love crepes. <laughs> all right, here's, here's, a, here's a Canadian fortune cookie wisdom here, all right? If hockey players have a destiny or, or a goal, focusing on mastering the controllables will only enhance opportunities of achieving success. Okay? Simple there. Uh, and, and the one thing that stood out from this was, the, I know Coach Craig, you know, in his blog, wish he could go back to his uh, 20-year-old self to enjoy the moment. Uh, it's just a game, and it goes by so fast, right? Like, that's the thing. Enjoy the moments. Uh, again, you know, when we say development, I'm, I'm a big preacher of calling it an experience, right? It's experience for, for your kid, for everybody. Um, and this is where I challenge parents to remind themselves that hockey, what hockey is for and about. It should be fun, just like, the, you know, like you mentioned in the blog. It should be a positive experience. Uh, and experience comes from the lessons that you learn in life. That's where experience comes They'll from. They'll remember... Skills learned through hockey. They'll remember mini sticks in the hotel lobby before they'll remember a right. final game. Yeah. Uh, skills learned through hockey shouldn't be specific to just the mechanical and physical skills and should be broadened. Don't just limit yourself to specific hockey-related concepts and skills. I mean, that's a big part of it, obviously. It's a game. But there's a d- deeper lesson. Don't make this about your desires and, and examine what's your true intent when you're doing, you know, you're taking your kid, you know, and when you're banging on the glass, uh, why am I doing what I'm doing with my child? The intent should be what your kid wants first always, and, and that's the lesson that should be learned from, from hockey. And that's That was my big take on that. Um, and, and I know that... Coach Craig and I have had conversations about this, and, and it simply came down to is what does your child want, right? Don't make it about you. Make it about what your child wants. I'm not saying give him everything, but, like, just see in, in hockey, just see what the he wants, don't right? don't run the circus, but they have a say. Exactly, exactly. So um, that's, 
Dude, I've really enjoyed this. Let's let's do this. Top this could be good. Let's, let's go. do. Uh, let's go. Let's go. Let's go. Cocktails on the road. Dude, yeah, is this like, what we're like talking if you're about? walking into a, a rink and you walk up to the bar, what are the three drinks you're ordering to judge the rink? All right, let's let's let the guests go Absolutely. first. Three drinks. Am I putting you on the spot there? So this is uh, this is three drinks at a bar inside of a rink, correct? Yeah, but it can be it can be like if you if you're talking straight bourbon, which I'll probably go to go straight bourbon, or like if care. you want like yellow Gatorade <laughs> over red Gatorade. <laughs> I don't yeah. see him drinking. Well, yeah. Canadian think, Canadian club versus. <laughs> Yeah, we're going to stick with alcohol for sure. I'm sh- um, so I think that when you travel around and you go to different rinks and they have a bar, I think uh, for me, I'm not a huge beer guy anymore, but when I do drink beer, I like to drink a really good local, you know, Pilsner or ale. So I think it's important that they have some local beers uh, on draft that you can't get here in Virginia. That'd be number one for me. That sounds like another coach. That's all he does. Gets a local brew. <laughs> no, I, I appreciate yeah. it. I know who that coach is. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, so if we're no, going uh, three drinks, I mean, yeah, go ahead. No, no, go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead. I cut you off. So you got uh, local ale. What else? That's Is that number three for you? No, I just think that, yeah, sure, that's number three. I think that, uh, I mean – I'm a huge, growing up in Canada, we call it rye more than bourbon. Like when you go to a bar in Canada and you order a drink, a rye and ginger is a very common drink. And what's weird is a lot of times when you order it, you don't even specify what kind of rye. So like where I grew up, a rye and ginger was typically like either a Canadian club in ginger ale or a Crown Royal in ginger ale. So, but anyways, I'm getting off topic. I'm a big, uh, I'm a big bourbon rye guy, so... I've uh, I've become a huge fan of all the Kentucky bourbons. Um, I lived in Tennessee for five years, and uh, I started to drink a lot of Kentucky bourbons when I lived there, and right. so that's kind of carried over now. So any Kentucky bourbon is a win for me. I have my favorites, but I'll drink any of them. To be honest with you, I like them all, huh? That's that's great. All right. Number one. All right. Uh, well, I think he went rye and ginger was two, and then bourbons were uh, any yeah. bourbon was one. He went pretty broad there. So bourbon is his number yeah, one go to. Am I right, Coach? Well, yeah. So if you're asking me, I mean, if you're asking me what my drinks are, I'll just go ahead and say right now. Um, you know, I'm a I'm a I'm big on the Blantons. I love Blantons with a, just a little splash of ginger, or maybe. Uh, Maybe maybe on the rocks, maybe neat. So I'm a big uh, big Blanton's guy right now. Um, I'll always go back to my native homeland. Uh, for um, Crown Royal has been my go-to forever. I've been t- drinking it probably too long, but uh, it's smooth. It's easy to drink. So if uh, if I if I could find a Crown XR, which was my drink of choice tonight, uh, anywhere at a at a bar, which is hard to find, that's probably definitely what my first order is going to be. 
Okay. I got to I got to try that. Crown yeah, XR. Big That's interesting. I think we got goals for the summer here. I think so. <laughs> well, you know what? I'll be up in Toronto at some point. Well, you know you got to find two bottles, right? So I'll Well, I got to get some Alexander Keith though, too. That beer's phenomenal. I wonder if they'll let me take it back home. All right, cowboy. We already saw one of your drinks tonight. Please <laughs> it don't is make definitely that top not. Three. Um, okay, we don't want to stir some controversy on the pod. Um, well, before I begin my top three, I'm just going to throw the name of that thing I was talking about: butter tarts. Okay, oh, butter now tarts. now we're back. <laughs> yeah, those are amazing. So, top three. I thought I thought you were looking at my rear and then you said tart. butter tarts. Um, <laughs> third one, I'm going Paps. Paps Blue Ribbon. I love a PBR. PBR? Um, In a year and a half, I've never seen you drink a PBR. What? Get fucked. No, a, a tapper. Can. A tapper got to no. be in a can. Um, second, going Coors. Can. Yeah. 100%. Um, Coors is my second, and Miller's Miller's top top for me. Like the, like the good Lord. Are you kidding like, me right yeah. now? You went, you yeah. went Coors 2? Go fast, turn left. <laughs> oh, my God. You are a cowboy. My God. Actually, you're not even a cowboy. Real cowboys drink don't drink Coors. Yellow bellies. Right. Yeah. <laughs> It is what it is, oh my man. God. You asked my favorite, not my I, you culture's know, favorite. Co- Coach Craig, I'm sorry for our embarrassing third donk here. That's just embarrassing. God, man. I. Hey, can yeah, we turn him yeah. off? Yeah, just turn I'll his mic it, off right I'll now. I'll do it myself. <laughs> what happened to – he didn't even go bush apple. Or, or the – like I thought for sure you would go bu- Bush Apple, you know, at least. Like, Natterdays are good, but Bush <laughs> Apple's never at a a hockey bar. That's why it's number one. It, but that's but you could have taken anything, and you went all right. Never mind. Okay, I'm done with you. All go right, ahead, so Sammy. Number three, I'm coming in with a solid rail bourbon. Right, I I I talked about it in a previous episode. Iceline having. A rail bourbon, Buffalo Trace on the rail to get it like a spritz of ginger or an old fashioned. You've insulted so many people calling it a rail bourbon. It is a rail bourbon at Iceline. It is a rail bourbon, and it's not even. It is what it is. It's a twenty dollar bottle of bourbon. Like if we're gonna get down to it. But here, okay, so number two, Bloody Marys, like. Uh, See, that's my number one. We're like we're not the oldest age group anymore. (laughs) But we still play early as fuck in the morning. Like, let me get some hair of the dog and some tomato juice and vodka. Okay. All right. Number one. (laughs) Number one is going to be affordable ice cold beer. And that's why I appreciate our home rink is because you can get a good beer for a reasonable price. That two silos cream ale got me through went, this season, and I appreciate it to the umpteenth degree. Ugh. All right. So are we going just – you got to be able to get it at a bar. Or are we taking it, like, with us, and we're drinking it at a hockey No, I, I know function. where you're going, and I think it's appropriate. Do it. Okay. All right. So number 
number three, I'm always going to take a good bottle of bourbon, and it's it's going to be as my as Little Panda calls it, Elijah Craig DeJarlis <laughs> Toasted Barrel. That's what that's what he calls it. He goes, "Is that Elijah Craig DeJarlis?" I go, "What is that?" What do you want? So you call so that toasted barrel is my favorite. Yeah, exactly. I think I've told you that before. So that toasted barrel, that bourbon, you know what? I'll go with any bourbon, right? As my number three, right? You know, and I think at number two, I'm going to go with the Bloody Mary as well. Um, I, I, and the ones that stand out for me are the stupid peppery ones no at Ice I got a shout out to the old home rink. The, 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 the old home rink? Really? The boys down at the oh, beach. Oh, oh, oh. you know what? Okay, I changed that. I changed that since we always got screwed with the 7 a.m. <laughs> game. To be in the so, travel team. You know, maybe it was brilliantly planned that way so they would make you buy, buy Bloody Marys. So, all right, so my number one, my number one go to bar drink is, and you're going to remember this, is the Chilada. Uh, oh, my man. <laughs> So if you guys don't know what a chalada is out there, it's a Bloody Mary and beer mix. Banging. And some people call it a red eye. And let me tell you, if if your parents out there that are hungover after a freaking night of drinking and you got an early morning game, hit a Bloody Mary and beer. Any beer will do. I prefer Miller Lite. Would recommend. So I'll give a cowboy. Oh my God, fantastic! Put some pepper in it, and maybe, uh, you'll maybe be a dab or two. Of hot you'll be good for the rest of the day. That's right. <laughs> he hung up. <laughs> All right. Um, you ready for a roadie yeah, there, yeah. buddy? All right. Let's hit the roadie. All right. Hold on one 